Stephanie and Michaela. Golly, man. Gosh, beautiful, beautiful. Got some old school hymns in the house. People are like, yes. I had some great worship. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for leading us in that, man. Isn't it great to be able to lead by people that actually worship that can really sing well, <laughs> like really, and really have some amazing talent and, and things like that? I know I say that often, but I don't ever take that for granted. Sometimes we, we get so used to God's favor. That's what I was telling, kind of, you know, it's like it's just like we're growing and we're, you know, people are coming to know the Lord. We're making great connections in the community. I remember speaking to one of the guys that were setting up um, the lights. Well, the city of Edgerton actually set those up for us, and the city of Edgerton actually had a trunk out there this week. Um, and they rented those lights for us, which I thought, wow, because I just said, you didn't have to do that. And he literally, the guy looked at me and he said, hey, do you, you realize how much you do for our city, right? Because this is the least we could do. I'm like, whoa, that, that just is, that blows my mind, right? Like, like that, it, that we, because we just get used to it, but it never Never hurts to continue to hear that, amen? Like, I love that. Like, we are involved. We do want to make the community better because we're in it. We do want to be generous toward our community. We do want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We want to know people's names, right? We want to do that. That's why we have the sign-up sheets that go around. We pray over names. We want to get to know you. If you hadn't been here for a while, we want somebody to give you a call, that kind of thing. We're still working out all the different things that, that happen with that. But, man, I tell you what, we want to ultimately help people to get one step closer daily to the lord as we until we see him face to face right because he's coming man he's going to make everything new he's going to do all the things that we've got and so like this series we've got is for the next and we we talked about uh last week we introduced this series kind of talked a little bit about the next you right we want to how like how do we help people come to know the lord how would how do we not want to help people like to, to be a part of what's going on because this train is is moving people love to be a part of something that has great momentum and so we talked a little bit about that last week and we asked uh, a couple of questions what do i see god doing that i think he wants to do more of in other words where do i see him blessing where do i see him going and and how do i engage in what he has for his kingdom right and it's not hard to look, you don't have to look very far. That's what I was talking about before, like this, like our church, that like God, for whatever reason, is blessing the snot out of us, right? And so it's not a hard, like, sell, if you will, to ask somebody, hey, man, this is crazy what God is doing. You want to be a part of it, right? And so we're asking, like, what, what does it look like for us to, to bring more folks in? That's why we do the community events. That's why we do those things. So that nobody can hold something against us and say, hey, you know, you have a bad reputation in town. I, 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 we're, we're actually one of the reasons that God uses us as a church to help revitalize churches, much like we did here five year, four years ago, much like we did in Marion, much like we're doing in Loma Vista, is because the church in those areas has a bad reputation with the community. And we get to like, introduce people to Jesus in such a way that people are like, man, you guys do some great things. It's not so that people will look at us and go, man, you're a great church. We want to see people say that, want to hear people say, you have a great God. I want to, I want to know him, right? And so the second question I asked last week 
is when we're praying toward those things and we're asking God, hey, what, like, what are you blessing and how can I be a part of it? Uh, what types of help will I need to accomplish what I see God doing? In other words, God, what do you need to, for me, like, to give me? And what do you need to bring? What kind of people do you need to bring around me? What kind of help do I need in order for me to see what, what you're doing and to be a part of that? Well, I'm going to add a third question this week because we're going to talk about that, like, because we, we tend to pray to God, God, would you provide this, which he is the great provider. But I don't see a lot of times in Scripture where we ask for something from God, and then we walk in a different direction towards something else, and he, he still provided. Does that make sense? Like, like, like a lot of times when we are praying to God, we'll say, God, would you do this? And then we'll not make any adjustments in our life to work toward where we're asking God to be. This is a chronic problem in the in the church, and it what's what leads a lot to a lot of like like real I don't know disgust with with the church, disappointment, whatnot, because we have this ideal that we're asking God for, but we won't make adjustments in our life to do that. So my third question is: What adjustments to my life do I need to make to work, walk toward God to what He is what God is blessing to walk toward what God is blessing. Are there adjustments that I, because I got to take responsibility for this too. I can't just treat God like a genie where I, where I rub the Bible and get my three wishes, right? It's like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for better financial position. Then you got to walk toward that, right? So sometimes me, we, like if you're saying, God, I would, lo- I would love to have, uh, a, like be in a better position financially, then, then we can't just keep spending the way we've been spending, and we can't just not budget and be irresponsible if we've been that way, and, and expect God to bless it anyway. Does that make sense? If we're saying, God, I really would like to have more health, but we can't keep eating the way we've been eating. We've got to like explore ways to, to eat in the right way, to exercise. You, you see where I mean on that? So it's like, God, I want you to, I'll never forget the, one of the funniest things in the world that I've ever seen is, is a comedian named Tim Hawkins was, was one time saying, you know, have you ever heard anybody like pray to God to bless, the, bless this food to the, to the nourishment of our bodies? You know, you know how funny that is when we actually pray for certain foods to be a, a, a nourishment to our bodies. And, it, it's, it's, and he said, like, think about this, this is what we do. We said, dear Lord, bless this bag of Cheetos and jumbo Dr. Pepper to the nourishment of my body, right? Like, I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, right? But I need you to intervene here. I, I turn it into a carrot stick on the weight or something less gross than that. Turn it into a vegetable on the way down, right? Like, I just, like, you think about it, but that's so profound, because that's what a lot of times we'll do that. Lord, I want better health, but we won't do the things necessary to take those steps toward that. Lord, I want better finances, we won't do things to take steps toward that. Lord, I, I want to be free from an addiction, but we won't take steps to, toward that. And let him be able to bless it. That's why we've got to be walking in step with him. Amen, New City? So we do three things. We go through three different kind of processes, if you will. One is a cry for help initially. God, will you save me from this particular thing? It's a, and then we have a crisis of belief. We talked about this last week, right, where we say, okay, I'm really struggling, like stepping into some of those things. There's going to be a crisis. But once we do have that crisis, we step into what God wants. Then we're going to have a cri- uh, basically a crisis of our conflict 
of leadership, right? We're, we're going to have an ongoing leading where the Lord has said, good, step into it. You got out of that. Cool, you stepped in it. Now you got to follow me. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not used to that. We're all going to have them. But some folks struggle to take that first step for a lot of reasons. One of the biggest reasons I come across is guilt and shame over what has been done in the past. Well, God would never accept somebody like me. And I hear it all the time, man, as a pastor. Some people are like, man, you know, is it really that chronic? Man, it's, it's incredibly chronic. Like it, but here's the deal. Like, here's what I love about our God that we get to serve. No other religious figure is like this, like this Jesus. Muhammad's not like this. Buddha's not like this. Confucius's not like this. Like, Joseph Smith is not like this. None of these people will accept us where we are and yet at the same time expect us to come closer to where he is. You see what I mean on that? There's no condemnation on on Jesus. There's no condemnation for him. He doesn't do that at all. Over and over. In fact, no one but Jesus in the Bible is deserving of God's grace and God's leading and God's leadership and God's favor. But he gives it anyway. I mean, you think about what Peter did to deny Jesus three times. And the, it, Jesus even told him, you're going to do this. He's like, no way, I'm not going to do that. And he did it anyway, right? Denied him three times when somebody comes up to me. You're with that guy. He goes, oh, I don't know that guy, right? How horrible is that? Right? This is crazy. Think about what Paul did, the most prolific writer in the, in the New Testament, killed Christians. I myself, guys, used to be the kind of person that would make fun of Christians for their belief because I saw such hypocrisy and I saw all the different things. I saw the lack of favor that it seemed that God was giving people. I saw people walking, talking one way, walking another way. I'm like, you guys are jacked, right? It's amazing. And I used every excuse in the book to man. We literally, when I was in college, we would make fun of people coming out of church. We surrounded people as like thugs. Like It's just crazy now. But and I could have easily said, God, you would never accept a guy like me, knowing I did that to your people, right? But, but he did, and he called me anyway, and he's calling you to something closer too, and he's calling me to something closer too all the time, and he knows what you did, and he knows what you've done, and he knows what you're doing, and he's calling you anyway. That's the kind of God we serve. So we can be like two different people in the Bible, in scripture we can be like judas iscariot who who eventually wound up just like like we know what happened to him he you know he, he like flung himself or hung himself depending on which which scripture you're looking at man like off of a cliff whatnot because of because of what he did to jesus like we and we can we can in essence we may not even physically kill ourselves over that but but in essence we'll never let god give us favor because of what we've done because of the guilt and the shame and the enemy loves that he's fine with that right or we could be like peter who when he denied jesus jesus looks at him and i know what you did follow me anyway right and a matter of fact i've got something incredible for for you because you because with you i'm going to build the church right i'm going to use you and he's going to use you and he's going to use me if you'll let him, right? So Peter had to get over his own guilt, get over his own shame, all those different things. man. And I love that, that we get to do that. We don't have to do like we Like we can stay wallowed where we are if you want. Like I, and I love that, man. I love that God gives us that choice. But we don't have to stay where we're at. And that's what 
In a lot of ways, discipleship really is. It's seeing where God is leading us and helping people get there. Amen? Man, there's several adjustments that need to be made to get starting into those kind of things. And adjustments themselves are not really obedience. Adjustments are, what do I got to do in my life to make those adjustments in order to be able to obey Jesus? Uh, The Shawnee campus is going through an Experience in God series. One of the quotes I love in that is that you cannot continue life as usual or stay where you are and go with God at the same time. And that's absolutely true. If you guys are not, like, I, one of the devotionals I read daily is uh, My Utmost for His Highest. And, the, like, today's devotion was ridiculous. When I was, I, I read it this morning, I said, all right, I got to add this. Listen to what, what it says. If you don't know the utmost, the, the story of My Utmost for His Highest, it's a guy named Oswald Chambers who actually died 101 years ago. But he had all these different sermons that were prepared and all these different teachings. Some of them were actual training sessions that he had with some of the leaders at his Bible college that he he put together. But I think he was only in his 30s when he passed away. But some of the wisdom that is in those uh, in the devotional is crazy good. But my utmost for his highest, it's utmost.org if you want to do it online. But listen to, to today's. This is ridiculous. I got just, I think it was an absolute confirmation. It is essential that you give people the opportunity to act on the truth of God. The responsibility must be left with the individual. You cannot act for him. It must be his own deliberate act. But the evangelical message should always lead him to action. Refusing to act leaves a person paralyzed exactly where he was previously. But once he acts, he is never the same. It is the apparent folly of the truth that stands in the way of hundreds who have been convicted by the Spirit of God. Once I press myself into action, I immediately begin to live. Anything less is merely existing. The moments I truly live are the moments when I, I act with my entire will. When a truth of God is brought home to your soul, never allow it to pass without acting on it internally in your will, not necessarily externally in your physical life. Record it with ink and with blood. Work it into your life. The weakest saint who transacts business with Jesus Christ is liberated the second he acts and God's almighty power is available on his behalf. We come up to the truth of God, confess we are wrong, but go back again. Then we approach it again and turn back until we finally learn we have no business going back. When we are confronted with such a word from truth, of truth from our redeeming Lord, we must move directly to, to transact business with him. Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says. His word come means to act. Yet the last thing we want to do is come, but everyone who does come knows that at that very moment, the supernatural power of the, of the life of God invades him. I love this language, man. 100 years old. It's like he's speaking to us today, right? <coughs> Dominating the The dominating power of the world, the flesh, and the devil is now paralyzed, not by your act, but because your act has joined you to God and tapped you into his redemptive power. Man, heavy duty, right? That is amazing. And I read that this morning. I said, holy smoke, I got to include that. Do we have a video for uh, Ray? I want to share with you guys some, like, if you don't know Ray Peoples, I need to have him come out here. He is our campus pastor for 
uh, the Merriam campus, and it's just it's just great. We've actually had some people that have been able to move, like have moved away from this area and have called New City Edgerton home, moved like to Mission and that kind of thing, that area, and they're going to that campus. They're like, I don't need to find another church. I got another one. But I love the story that Ray has. It's about a three-minute video. Um, I love the story that he has, the adjustments he had to make to do what God has called him to do just recently. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Ray Peoples, and uh, I just want to share with you a little bit about what God is showing my wife and I. Uh, this past fall, when fall started, uh, our boys wanted to continue playing baseball. They had played through the summer and wanted to continue playing. And we were like, okay, that's great. You know, we love baseball around our house, and so it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, so we had to sign them up for new teams. Well, um, my nine-year-old got on this team that was super competitive. Uh, the coach, uh, one of the coaches was a collegiate-level softball player. One of the coaches was a uh, minor league player. And so their expectations were pretty high for the team, right? Like, they wanted them to be really good. And they were good coaches, too. Like, it was a, it was a great thing but uh, so we started practices and we were going along and then the season started and when the season starts the practices are supposed to be um, either minimized or go away uh, well they didn't we continued to practice twice a week and then we had two games a week and then my other son was playing as well so we had literally five maybe even six days or nights that we were going to be at a ball field and uh, at the same time, I was going through the experience in God's study, and I was on the part where uh, it talks about adjusting your life to what God is asking you to do. And so I came in and began to share that with my wife, and we were talking through it, and we were looking at our schedule, and we were like, you know, I think at one point I even said, like, we didn't move from Fort Smith, Arkansas, uh, to watch our boys play baseball, right? We moved here to plant a church, to start a church, and so... Uh, and some people would say, you know, hey, you're going to be at the ball field five to six nights a week. What a great opportunity to build relationship with some people. But the thing was that we were literally being pulled in the opposite direction. The team that we were on, the majority of those people were from DeSoto and, and far west Shawnee. And so we were we were literally being pulled in the opposite direction of, of where we needed to minister and what God was calling us to do. Uh, so we made the decision to actually pull our boys from baseball. And... Uh, the thing was, though, that we prayed for them, like, peace over them in this decision. And uh, both of them were like, okay, sounds good. But what's been even cooler is how the Lord has opened up doors for us to uh, have church friends over and even non-church friends over. And uh, just get to minister to people and to love on people as, as we truly feel we're called to do. And it's opened up our schedule as well to have awesome family nights and to be together and to hang out. And so it's been neat to see how God has blessed that uh, in what we believe was our obedience to what he was asking us to do. Uh, but it just took that small adjustment in our life for something to begin to break through. And so uh, just a really neat experience for us in just the past couple of weeks of what God has begun to do. Is that not the coolest? Man, yeah. I mean, there's so much social pressure to do things a certain way and make sure the kids are done this way, and you got to raise them in a certain way. And it's like, wait a minute, we 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 we're here to reach people for for the Lord, not play. Ba- I mean, nothing wrong with playing baseball at all. Not nothing wrong with having kids in sports, but when that consumes your life and you are completely on the opposite, and you know God's calling you, that's that's a major adjustment that you got to make. It's a whole family thing, amen. And I love that, man. I love what, uh, what, we're, what we're talking about on that. So the, for him, God laid on him, hey, I gotta, I'm going to have to take our kids out of baseball, man. When they love baseball, but they were cool with it because they knew where God had 
been pulling them. They've been praying. Again, God, where do you want me? Where do I see you blessing? And if they were unwilling to do some things to work themselves toward that, right, then how's God going to bless that? Like, And all of a sudden, there's a discouragement that would come if they didn't take those steps themselves. So for us, man, we've got to learn to take those steps. Lots of scriptures here that we'll talk about. Mark 10, we've got to be, our approach to being with God has got to be like childlike, not childish, but childlike. Childish is say, I don't want to give that up, God. Childlike is, yes, God, whatever I got to do, I'll come to you. Mark 10, 13 through 16 says, some people were bringing little children to him so he might touch them, talking about Jesus. And he was in the temple really teaching some heavy-duty stuff. But his disciples rebuked them, basically say, hey, hey, we got time for the little crumb snatchers, man. Get, he, our, our, our teacher's got bigger things to, bigger fish to fry. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was not happy. And said to them, let the, chil- let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Meaning we've got to be childlike, right? Not childish, childlike. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a child, like a little child, will never enter it. And after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. So when we are saying, no, God, I'm not giving you that. No, God, I'm not going to pursue that. No, God, I'm not going to make any adjustment. I need you to act like a genie and wish me, give me my three wishes, right? Then that's childish. When we say, God, I see you blessing this. I need to make some adjustments. Give me the strength to do that. I've got to cut the whatever out or or i got to make this adjustment to my schedule or whatever i've got to do to work toward that there was always opportunity cost when god gives an opportunity there's always going to be a cost to that isn't there and sometimes it's tough but that's what we've got to we've all got to to make those. and sometimes if god's like like if you're called to something and he said i'm going to pull you this way he will take stuff out of your life i mean i'm telling you i'm not talking about he's not going to kill people the I was just talking about there are things that he was going to take. Like for me, it took him to, to rip a business out of my hands that I had worked day and night over. Because I was like, yeah, I, I want to work toward that, God, but I'm not willing to give that up. Right? Does, does that make sense? And thank God he did it. Because now I can see clearly, like that's how it works. But here's the thing. We don't have to have him rip stuff out if we're willing to make those adjustments on our own. Is that right? Like he's calling us to take some responsibility of it couple of things, a couple of different scriptures, the way people look at things and the way people respond to Jesus in certain ways. And Mark, one's in Mark 10 and one is in Luke 19. Let's go through the Mark 10 scripture and I'll get quickly into Luke 19. Mark 10, 17 through 21 says, as he was setting out on the journey, uh, this is Jesus, a man ran up, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, and that's God. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. And then looking at him, now listen to this, this is powerful. In fact, I was looking at it this morning, and it just really meant something to me, and I hope I have time to really, really dive into that. But looking at him, Jesus loved him. He did like. He didn't say, "Dude, you're jacked up in meth." Looking at him, Jesus loved him, and he loves you. I mean, this is a guy that's about to actually 
now, 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 scholars are divided on this guy, but listen to what he does. He loves him and said to him, you lack one thing. You, you realize Jesus talked about money and possessions and materialism and all that, like a whole bunch, because it's the, it's the one thing, it's, for a lot of us, it's the one thing that, that keeps us from that intimacy. It keeps us from stepping into that blessing. It keeps us from, from make like it's the adjustment, that the, it's the last adjustment we're willing to make. And it's the first one he talks about. It's amazing. You lack one thing. Go, t- go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You got to make adjustments, right? You got to go do some stuff because he, he knows what's in his heart. And then you come follow me. He didn't say, yeah, just follow me. He goes, wait, 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 wait. You got to make some adjustments, bro. Right? That's what he says next. <clears throat> I did, didn't I? Oh, I made to go to 22. Sorry. But he was stunned at this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Now, scholars are divided whether or not he actually came back. It doesn't say that he, I've heard people preach, well, he will just step right into hell. as he. It's not that. It doesn't say that he did. He went away grieving. There is a grief if we're to give up some stuff in order to follow where Jesus wants us to go. But here's the great news. We're all dead in 100 years. Hallelujah, right? It doesn't matter. Nobody's going to remember. I mean, really. I mean, I've heard we had somebody get upset one time. I think I'd said something along the lines of, like, you know, nobody's going to remember me or nobody's going to remember us when we're, when we're gone. And, and it's probably, like, true. Some, I mean, some people might. But in a few generations, I don't remember. I've never met my great-granddad. I don't know his name. I don't. Right? I'm the third. I know my granddad. I know my dad. That's about it. I mean, I, I would love to say that, man, there's this great legacy that I'm going to leave. Probably ain't going to happen. You know? But if I step into obedience with God, it doesn't matter because nobody's going to remember anyway. You think about that. Anybody able to name George Washington's kids? Thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> how about, how about, yeah, yeah. How about, yeah. How about George Washington's mom? Mrs. Washington. Yeah. Exactly. Think about it. We always wanted to think, man, there's this great legacy, but there's, there's just so, so much. Yeah, there may be some history books that some of you might be, in, might be mentioned. I don't know, but I'm here to tell you, ultimately, we're here to leave a legacy that, that God wants, even if it's insignificant to the world. What adjustments do we got to make? Amen makes sense it's huge for the kingdom that's why jesus says hey where your heart is where your treasure is your heart will be also now listen to what the other person here and this is all about money this is all about the financial piece because jesus a lot of times focused on this luke nineteen ten. a lot of a lot of us know this story very well this account very well he entered jericho and it was passing through and there was a man named zacchaeus a wee little man a wee little man was he i think that's in the children's bible who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a wee little man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And a lot of you have that song spinning in your head now, right? So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come 
hurry and come down today because I must stay at your house. Kind of a bold statement. Hey, bro, uh, make a bed for me, right? So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, saying, he's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, which he had, because he was a tax collector, that's what you did, I'll pay back four times as much. Jesus said in verse 9, Today, salvation has come to this house. Jesus told him because he too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. And everybody said, amen. Think about that, man. There's a lot of adjustments that got to be made for all of us. And every time there's an adjustment that needs to be made, when God has called us into something for him, there's got to be something that's got to be adjusted in our life. It's just that simple, right? If we're willing to hang on to something that's going to go away for the sake of something that's going to be permanent, then that says a lot about our willingness to, to, to go into. But if we're willing to say, you know what, the stuff that I thought mattered really doesn't matter. And the preacher said I'm going to be dead in 100 years anyway, right? What if I just stepped into some of that stuff and, and cut the cord? So my final question to us this morning is what adjustment? I'm talking to you individually because we may collectively as a church need to make adjustments too. But what, like if I'm praying for us, for health and stability and favor and blessing and those kinds of things. What are things that we individually as a group, individually as a member of the body, need to make in our life to say, you know what, I've got to step into that. I've got to step into something new. I've got to step in, I've got to step away from some stuff and toward what God is calling me to do. I don't want us to have any lack of, of favor and blessing from God because of stubbornness, because of anything like that, like any kind of um, uh, disobedience from God, ultimately. We talked a few weeks ago, like if Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. I want us to do what he says. It's that simple. Because I never want us to, to lose our love, but I never want us to lose our favor from, from God, ultimately. And I want you to, if you see something in me, you have every right to call me out on something. But I want us to be thinking through, like, what adjustment do I got to make? And for some of you, it's really clear. From some of us, we've got to sit and pray about that. Say, God, I don't know. I don't know if you want me to. And, and it may not even be a sinful thing. Like a lot of people hold on, like like they're very materialistic, and they're going to hold on to my wallet. Say, you know, I can't die. No, I got to control everything but that. Right? For some of us, we don't have that issue. And it may not even be a it may not even be a sin in your life. It might be I'm holding my kids in control, and I'm having trouble. Kids are not a sin, right? It may be something that he says, you know what, are you willing to stop eating or drinking this? I mean, are you willing to stop watching that? I'll never forget, I had a, had a buddy, are you willing to take your kids out of baseball? Baseball's not evil, right? Does that make, does that make sense? It's some of those things. What adjustment? I've called you to this. What are you willing to do, right? Amen? You cool? I pray this was helpful, man, because it just blew my mind when I was reading it going, and read that utmost for the devotional. My like, God is really trying to hammer something home for our church. Like, what do we got to step into? 
Like we gotta, you know, are we willing to do some things that God's called us to do individually in your life, which may mean, hey, He's gonna send you across the world. Oh, oh no, right? Or it may He may send you across the street. I don't know. But what adjustments do we gotta make? Let me pray for us, and we'll finish up, and we'll we'll finish our time this morning. Father, we love you, and we are man. Thank you for today. Thank you for the man. Just the the the, the hymns that got to be sung this morning, the, the different things that got to be done. Lord, um, we even thank you for the time change and the extra hour of sleep for some of us. Man. But Lord, um, there are things that we're holding on to, and I'm, I'm talking the man preaching to this wonderful group of people has things that he's holding on to, expose it, God. Expose it in our minds, expose it in our hearts. And may we just step into what you want us to step into individually and collectively as a body of believers. Where do you want us? And God, we, we, we pray this when we give and we pray this when we do offering, but I want us to, to pray this as well as we're just living and eating and driving and working in supporting and protecting and all the different things that we do for our, ourselves and our families. God, may you just guide us in each and every way. May we just be learn what it means, God, to rely on you every second, to be thinking through, God, walking with you. Have your Holy Spirit lead us where we're to be driving and where to be banking, where are we to be eating and where to be... Who do we need to be talking to? And like, what do we need to be doing for an occupation? And, and God, there are people that we don't even consult you on some of these things, Lord. May we do that. And may you guide us. And may we, you highlight to us where you're blessing, Lord. And we thank you for the blessings you've given this church. It's in your son's name that we pray as we dismiss today. Everybody in the house said. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a great week. We love you.